Part three, chapter three of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter three. The next day, taking leave only of the count and not waiting for the ladies to come down, Prince Andrei went home. It was already the first of June, and on his way home, Prince Andrei once more drove through the birch wood where the gnarled old oak had so strangely and memorably attracted his attention. The little bells on the horses sounded with still less resonance now through the forest than they did the fortnight before. All the spaces were full of thick leaves and shrubbery, and the young fir-trees scattered through the woods were no longer an exception to the general beauty, and but partook of the universal characteristics of the season, and showed a soft green at the ends of their succulent young sprays. The whole day had been hot. Now and again there had been threats of thunder-showers, but only handfuls of clouds had scattered a few drops over the dusty highway and the sunny leaves. The forest on the left was dark, in shadow, that on the right, with branches glistening with diamond drops and gently swaying in the breeze, was full of sunlight. Everything was covered with flowers. The nightingales broke out in gushing melody and answered each other from far and near. Yes, it was in this forest here that the old oak stood whose mood seemed to agree with mine, said Prince Andrei to himself. Yes, there he is, he thought, as he looked along at the left, and found himself, without knowing or realizing it, admiring the old oak of which he was in search. The old oak, as though transfigured, spread out a mighty tabernacle of dark, sunny green, and seemed to swoon and sway in the rays of the afternoon sun. Nothing could be seen of the gnarled branches, or of the scars, or of the old unbelief and grief. Through the rough, century-old bark had pierced the smooth, succulent young foliage. It was incredible that this patriarch should have produced them. Yes, this is the very same oak, said Prince Andrei to himself, and suddenly there came over him an unreasonable but joyous feeling of delight and renovation. All the most sacred moments of his life came back to him at one sweep, Austerlitz, with that unfathomable sky, and the dead, reproachable face of his little wife, and Pierre on the ferry-boat, and the maiden enjoying the beauty of the night, and that night itself. And the moon, everything suddenly crowded back into his mind. No, life is not ended at thirty-one, suddenly said Prince Andrei, with resolute, unalterable decision. It is a small thing that I myself know what is in me. All others must know it also. Pierre, and that girl who wanted to fly up into the sky, all of them must learn to know me, so that my life may not be spent for myself alone, in order that they may not live so independently of my life, that it may send its reflection over all other lives, and that they may all live in union with me." On his return from his journey, Prince Andrei made up his mind to go to Petersburg in the autumn, and he excogitated various reasons in support of this decision. A whole series of convincing and logical arguments in favor of this new departure, and even in favor of re-entering the army, were all the time coming to his aid. It even now passed his comprehension that he ever could have doubted the necessity of going back to active life— just the same as a short month before he could not comprehend how the idea ever occurred to him to leave the country. It now seemed clear to him that all his experiments of life would surely be wasted, and without reason, unless he were to put them into effect and once more take an active part in life. 
he now could not understand how on the strength of such wretched arguments he had convinced himself that it would be humiliating himself after all his lessons in life to believe in the possibility of getting profit and the possibility of happiness and love now his reason showed him the exact contrary after this journey of his prince andrei began to feel tired of the country his former occupations no longer interested him and oft-times as he sat alone in his cabinet he would get up go to the mirror and look long at his own face then he would turn away and gaze at the portrait of his late wife liza who with her little curls all a greek looked down upon him with an affectionate and radiantly happy expression from the golden frame she seemed no longer to say to her husband those terrible words she simply gazed at him with a merry and quizzical look and prince andrei clasping his hands behind his back would walk long up and down the room sometimes scowling sometimes smiling thinking over the preposterous inexpressible mysterious almost criminal ideas aroused by the thought of pierre of glory of the maiden at the window of the old oak of the beauty of women and love which were changing his whole life and at such moments when any one came to see him he was generally dry stern and short and disagreeably logical mon cher the princess maria once said happening to find him in such a state nikolushka can't go out to-day it is very chilly if it were warm prince andrei replied to his sister then he might go out in nothing but his shirt but since it is cold you will have to put some warm clothes on him as might have occurred to you now there is no sense in keeping the child indoors because it is cold when he needs the fresh air he would say such things with all the logic in the world as though he were punishing someone else for all this illogical reasoning that was secretly working in his mind under such circumstances it was not strange that the princess maria said to herself how this intellectual work dries up the heart End of chapter 3